You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Okay, for this episode, we'll be talking about Muddy Waters at Newport, 1960. In the room, I have Rob. Hello. Ben. Hello. And John. Hello. Uh, At Newport, 1960 is a live album by Muddy Waters performed at Newport Jazz Festival in Newport, Rhode Island, recorded July 3rd, 1960, released November 15th, 1960 on MCA Chess Records, produced by Leonard Chess. The genre is Chicago blues. Icon bluesman Muddy Waters arrived in Chicago in 1943. After an uncle gave him an electric guitar, Waters developed his legendary style that combined rustic blues of the Mississippi with the urban vibe of the big city. With his 50s chess record hits, I'm Your Hoochie Coochie Man, and Got My Mojo Working, Muddy Waters found success that would be pushed further in 1958 as he toured England becoming an international star. His brilliant performance at the 1960 Newport Jazz Festival was a particularly pivotal point in his career as it caught the attention of a new fan base and Waters' energy and style was able to adapt to the changing times his electric blues sound fit in well with the 1960s love generation. What did we think at Newport 1960? I'll tell you this much. I used to only be a proponent of the babysitter blues. It was the only blues that I liked because of Benjamin's and babysitting. And now I like two blueses. <laughs> I like this Muddy Waters and I like the babysitter blues. So, uh, babysitting blues. Uh, as a blues fan, uh, yeah, this is a standard and uh, amazing album uh, from Muddy Waters. Um, I don't think enough can be said about the sort of energy and just his charisma all the playing is is great. The band's hot. Yeah. We've got this road-tested, like, live band at the top of their game, and they ju- they, they burn the stage down. Like, yeah. I feel bad for whoever has to go on. <laughs> After they play Got My Mojo Working Twice, <laughs> and then... Who 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 goes out and performs on the pile of ashes that that, I think, I, I, that I, Muddy I, Waters band left? I literally think it was Langston Hughes. <laughs> I'm serious. I think Langston Hughes came out and like read a poem after that because there was just nothing else they could do. You got to read a poem. You got to go. It's just done. You just got to come out and read a poem because Muddy Waters just destroyed every other possible sonic option. <laughs> was the Newport? Ja- is this Newport Jazz Festival? It's the Jazz Festival. Okay. Yeah. Is that in Newport, Rhode Island? 
Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I just said. Okay, sorry. I, I, it's okay. I've been drinking. I wasn't paying attention. That's fine. Um, the now ba- I know you don't <laughs> listen to my intros. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing that I like, or I uh, honestly, I, I I didn't dislike any one of these tracks. They're they're super fun, and like it made me appreciate the blues, which never happens. Uh, but one of my favorite things was on uh, the Mojo Working. Yep. Uh, when he starts, like the crowd's freaking out. Like they're like, oh yeah. This is going to happen. And then it's just the waspiest clapping I've ever heard in my entire life. Just everyone's on everything. Like hey, Steve Martin snapping <laughs> and the jerk. Like they're, they're hip white kids, but they're, they still, but they're still white kids. I mean, it's the just, hippest guys you can find in Rhode Island. On, to their credit. Uh, they were famously dancing in the aisles during that song, which... Oh, oh man, I wish I could see that. <laughs> Just the Elaine dance from <laughs> Thumbs. All thumbs. All thumbs. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, this this crowd was predominantly, I mean, almost entirely white. So uh, to have that reaction, and that's why I wanted to include his... He trans ascended, you know, into this audience that was predominantly white, including going over to England and being a mm-hmm. hit hit over there. I was and you know, uh for 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 every genre, but especially for the blues, like considering the origins of blues, live blues is always going to be that's the original format. Yep. You know, recorded blues can be good, but it it's, it was always live first. And this is like one of the first live blues albums. And for having like the the pressure of history on on their shoulders, the band just comes out and slays. Yeah, they absolutely slay. And so I was thinking when I was listening to this, so I was thinking like, so if I'm some, you know, just white teenager in the Midwest, and I I've heard of the blues, I know what the blues are, I've read about the blues in the paper, I might <laughs> you know like the periodicals, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, but like to to actually be able to. Like, go out to the store and buy and, like, listen to my house, like, live, just raw, electric blues. And just, I just imagine, like, so many kids were just like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, this. Like, including, like, Jimmy Page and, for better or for worse, Eric Clapton, who said, like, this was the album. They're like, oh, okay, I want to play the blues then. Yeah. You know? Yeah, if you want to talk about, you know, I guess the era and what actually happened to this recording... The day before at the Newport Jazz Festival, Ray Charles was playing, and I guess there was oh, yeah. bad security, so about 300 kids started a riot. I read, quote, hipsters rust the yeah. stage. hipsters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We call them what you would, uh, but, you know, the type that would get attacked with uh, tear gas and, and water cannons, and they were actually going to shut down the show the next day, but the organizer, the concert promoter, George Ween, said to the city council that the United States Information Agency was going to film the festival to teach American culture in other countries. Mm-hmm. So they didn't shut it down so that they could get that done. And uh, Yeah, good on him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a good convincing... Right, right. Yeah. I mean, you got to so. put some some good PR out there. And, you know, I, I read about that for the first time today also. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that recording that they made. But if I take them at their word... And they took this recording and shared American <laughs> culture to other countries. And that footage that they're sharing includes Muddy Waters and his band just fucking slaying. Yeah. Like, 
no matter like it's not surprising uh like no wonder all the all the british kids yeah are now learning the blues and preparing mm-hmm. their british invasion of white british people playing the blues in america absolutely yeah. I mean, I think even to the point that Eric Clapton was Muddy Waters' best man at his last marriage. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll double check that, but I'm almost certain Muddy Waters late in life married a you know, 19, 20-year-old when he was in his 60s, and uh, Eric Clapton was his best man. I think it was sometime in the 70s. <laughs> All all of the accolades that we've been laying on this album, I think it's still important to uh, to note. You know, they say like uh, like the Velvet Underground played, and like only a few hundred people listened to it, but they all went out and started bands. Yeah, this album launched so many ponytail dentist blues bands <laughs> like seriously if if we oh, have to weigh yeah. the good versus the bad like i mean blues hammer was always gonna happen yeah the, if, if blues if it explain wasn't what, this that brought can blues you hammer explain what blues hammer is for well, I, people who might I, not know okay so over recent years i have been privy to many many blues festivals yeah often slash rib festivals yeah <laughs> and there's like there's just this the culture of uh, like you know we joke like, we call it dentist blues, yeah. but it's normally you know like middle aged, affluent white dudes on the weekend with their ponytails and their bowling shirts with the flames going up. Yep, very blue their, jeans. Yes, in in their like convertible Miatas, and and they're. And they're all the lead guitar player for this band. <laughs> and this band is millions of bands. Yes. And it only has lead guitar players. Yes. <laughs> and and they are they are so, they're, so bland that it just it's 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 horrible, but not because of its horribleness. It's horrible because of its blandness and how much it saturates everything around it. You step into a blues to a blues festival. Most of them, and you just hear twelve bars and turnarounds played by middle-aged white guys with ponytails, and they all sound exactly the same, and they're all like C minus good. And that's why I've always disliked the blues. And like that's, that, it, that's that's what you're calling blues hammer. Well, just, blue, just that's the, what I'm yeah, calling yeah. For, for me to the, the uh, band would well, the, 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 the band man. is always blues hammer. Blues hammer is the version of this band that's in the early '30s and is playing at the bar right now. Yeah, uh, the dentist band. The, the dentists are mostly fans and hobbyists. Yeah, okay. They attend all the festivals. They own a Stratocaster, brand spanking new. <laughs> and they know enough to get themselves in trouble on it, you know? Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 term blues hammer I've been using is because of um, Was the, movie, the movie Ghost World, where Steve Buscemi goes to this sports bar to see this blues legend, and no one's paying attention, and then, like, these... 
early 30s white dudes just come out like, hi, we're Blues Hammer! Proceed to like make the worst fucking noise ever. And I believe Blues Hammer is also talking about picking cotton in the South. And they're all white guys. Just so you know. I believe in the movie or graphic novel, also the guy that that Buscemi's character is there to see is, like, opening for him. Yes. Yeah. It's, yes. Yeah. Like, his old, like, Pine Top Perkins type dude yeah. just opening up for hatchback full of blues. Let's get back to <laughs> the good blues. Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters. Sorry. I'm saying, I, I love this. Unfortunately, I will always associate it with what it inspired. Well, it's Chicago blues. Chicago blues. Specifically so, Chicago specifically blues. Specifically Chicago blues. Um, you, yeah, you're right. It develops into the Eric Clapton, which then takes it into the Edgar, Edgar Winner mm-hmm. and all those other <laughs> other bands uh, that that have that sort of uh, style. I like Edgar Winner, so whatever, dude. I like Frankenstein, Frankenstein. rules. Yeah. Yeah. That's a weird albino. <laughs> Both of them. Uh, sorry, maybe St- St- uh, St- Stevie, Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray. Oh, Stevie oh, Ray Bonch. Yeah. yeah. Who's yeah. Stinky Ray Bonch? Stinky, steamy Ray Barf. <laughs> Steven Seagal. Uh, Steven Seagal also plays. R.I.P. <laughs> yes. yes, but that is a very Chicago blues. But you can't thing. fault Muddy Waters. No, for no, absolutely that. not. <laughs> it's not his oh, fault. No. It's not his fault. He but did, he did put he, the Chicago blues sound on a on a global, global stage map. and did it well enough that everyone wanted to do it. That's I mean that's that's, right. the, that's the problem of being so great at something that eventually people it, will pervert it into well, garbage. The thing is also <laughs> he, he is he is him and his band are so great at and at the top of their game of a genre of music that's really easy to be bad at. Wow, You'd so only need to know easy. three chords to be terrible at the blues. You know? Yeah. You, you could practice you could buy a guitar, practice it for a week and at the end of it Hammer out a terrible blues song. Yeah. Which yeah. so many people fucking did, and yeah. it's just a bummer. <laughs> I, I, I don't fault Weezer's Pinkerton for the eventual, the like, emo, like, nonsense that came afterwards. And, yeah, and I, 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 I wouldn't. No I, fault to Muddy. I can't. I, I didn't listen to this and go, God damn it, 10 years in the future and shake and my And that's fist. also, that's, that's the thing. These, these bands that we're describing that we don't like, they're. They could play one of these songs verbatim. Right. And it wouldn't sound like that because there's, it's not the notes, you know? It, like, you're, you're hearing a whole lifetime when he sings yeah. and when the band plays. Yeah, he's got the, he's got the charisma and the voice and mm-hmm. the style, and the band is all right there with him. Yeah, that voice alone is just yeah. pure, iconic... Yeah. And, I mean, even to the point that I, I didn't know this, Alan Lomax came out and recorded Muddy Waters, like, when he was 28. So somebody told Alan Lomax, you know, the, the king of, you know, America, well, I guess world folk, but specifically American folk, uh, this is the guy you've got to go record when he's 28, even before he starts doing his electric stuff. Damn. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. I, we got, I want to hear that recording at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently he took that recording and went and played it on the jukebox. <laughs> The gypsy woman told my mother Before I was born You got a boy child coming Gonna be a son of a gun He gonna make pretty women's Jump and shout Then the world wanna know What this all about But you know I'm here Everybody knows 
so I think we I think we can almost skip the next part, which is uh, should should you listen to it? Is it fuck a yeah, dude. Yeah. This album's great. So, yeah, I think we all agree. To date, um, my favorite album out of the Newport Jazz Festival. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a couple more that pop up. Yeah. So. Hold your horses. Um, mm-hmm. I said to date. <laughs> to date. <laughs> to date. <laughs> uh, got a few things here. The album cover I found interesting. Very cool album cover. I wonder if you're going to say what I think you're going to yeah. say. Uh, it shows Muddy Waters with holding a sem- semi-acoustic guitar, which uh, was actually John, his. John Lee Hooker's guitar <laughs> because he had forgotten his uh, guitar, on, or he had left his guitar on stage, his traditional Fender uh, Telecaster. So he has an acoustic guitar, but he plays electric guitar. <laughs> I just found that really interesting. And you can you can tell from the cover that it's just right behind the stage. Yeah, I love just like, like that just story. gotten off the stage. He, he, yeah, he plays the show, gets off stage, his guitar's still on stage, and the guy's like, all right, we need a picture for the album cover. <laughs> yeah. like, well, my guitar's still up there. And John Lee Hooker's like, well, I just hold my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> How does everybody feel about bringing uh, Got My Mojo working? Like, bringing it back. There's, oh, a, like, there's a part oh, one, they part do one part and they stop the song. I mean, they, they end the song as, as they you gotta would. do that. And the, it seems like the crowd wants more, and so he asks, do you want me to play another one, or do you want me to keep going on that? And then they pick it back up. There's a few live records that I can think of where that happens, and I think it's cool. It's, 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 it's feeling the crowd, just reading the crowd. I think it's good. It's I mean, so I cool. think I think it's a good spot because it shows the the liveness. It shows what the crowd was sort of doing at yeah. the time, and it, it just kind of captures the the essence of of his performance of saying, you know what? Let's just we'll pick it back up. We're gonna do this again, and it doesn't it doesn't feel uh, tired. You're not tired of no. it, and uh, feels good. And the way I, the way I hear it, also like he, the first one is such a rave up. Like by the end of it. Like the crowd's like just like frothing at the mouth, yeah. and when he goes back into it, it almost feels like a, it's like it's not that it's slower, but it just feels a little bit more of like a cool down. Yeah, you know, he just like just going through the the hook enough to like satiate their ears, you know, without like trying to get them all excited again. Right. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And then the the last one uh, the band does the Goodbye Newport Blues, uh, Muddy doesn't even sing it. He's he's beat. So as band leader uh, and pianist, uh, Otis Spann s- t- sings the lead on that one. Yeah. Good deal. Uh, so I did a little background. So I want you guys to we'll play a little word game, which is what do you think these things mean? And hopefully you haven't looked them up. So what does I'm a hoochie coochie man mean? You I'm, say what you actually I'm, think it means? Or I, I'm a dude who fucks. I also just assumed it meant I'm a dude who fucks. Yeah, I, I know that it's a dude who fucks who also has magic power. <laughs> <laughs> Predominantly the magic power side, but he also fucks. <laughs> dude, Muddy Waters totally fucks. Oh, he, so, he, he absolutely fucks. So Hoochie Coochie is a, you know, it has a couple different meanings. One is a sexually pr- pr- uh, provocative dance um, combined with, it's sort of a strip tease or, uh, exposure of erotic movements and teasing, um, but it also does mean, uh, or is used to refer to a sexually attractive person or a practitioner of hoodoo, a seer, a clairvoyant, according to uh, folk folklore of American South. So you're right, man. Uh, yep. John, uh, a, a magic man who fucks. Okay, what does uh, I got my mojo working or mojo? 
you know, it's, it's like you're, you're, as the kids say, you got your swag on. You know, just uh, it's like this ethereal vibration or whatever that is. Everything, everything's coming up, Melhouse. You're, you're just, <laughs> yeah. nice. Sometimes you you wake up uh, and you're not a sloppy piece of shit in the mirror for no reason, and that's uh, that's the mojo is the mojo's working. working. Yeah. yeah, I do like then the refrain, but it's not working on you. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, he might he might have all the swag in the world, but in the wrong application, it still doesn't function. <laughs> So mojo is actually a, um, African-American folk belief, also of the hoodoo, um, and it's an amulet consisting in a, of a flannel bag containing one or more magical items. Prayer in a bag is what it's also called, oh. sort of a spell that can be carried on the host's body. Uh, alternative names have been called mojo bag, mojo hand, uh, conjure hand, lucky hand, conjure bag, trick bag, root bag, Toby, Jomo, and Grigri bag. Hmm? Uh, if you haven't gotten mojo nicks in the new store, could use some fixes. But, you, but you're right, mo mojo true. is commonly used uh, to describe a person's talent or gift. And I got one, <laughs> one last. Tiger in your tank. Oh, I put my dick oh, in there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that it was a slogan for we like, a butt. <laughs> for mobile gas or something at one point in time. Or who who had the tiger? I forget who that was. But yeah, it's all about putting the D in the B. <laughs> I think I, I think if I would have to guess like the origin of the phrase, I would assume that a a a tiger is the fuel for your motor. Like you've got a tiger in your gas tank or whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was used to sell some kind of good gasoline called Tiger. But he is talking about putting a dick in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about context. <laughs> context um, clues. <laughs> so uh, this one was actually, it took me a, a minute to figure out the actual origin of it. But Put a Tiger in Your Tank was a slogan created in 1958 uh, by Emory Smith, a young, young Chicago copywriter, to boost sales of SO uh, Extra. Gasoline. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the while songwriter extraordinaire <laughs> Willie Willie Dixon uh, took the uh, so gasoline's incredibly popular 1959 ad campaign "Put a Tiger in Your Tank" theme straight to print. He turns the slogan into an innuendo vehicle driven hard by the great muddy water. Oh, it was driven hard. <laughs> <laughs> Drive my innuendo vehicle so hard. Have you ever... Oh, now, sorry. Now, this no, is... No, no. The, the more uh, interesting thing, though, is I've got a tiger by the tail. The 1964 hit by Buck Owens <laughs> was also inspired by Put a Tiger in Your Tank slogan. Hmm. So. Well, you know, speaking of uh, uh, Willie Dixon, uh, the songwriter, for... A handful of these songs, the, the, these songs, the, the songs of these that you knew before you listened to this record were Willie Dixon songs. Yeah. Have you ever like looked at a list of like all of the songs from like the blues songs from like the fifties and sixties, the ones that you know the title of, even if you're not a fan, almost all of those were Willie Dixon songs. That yeah. That dude. He was the chess writer, and that mm -hmm. you know everybody on the, on the chess label. It's it's Willie Dixon songs. You're and right. so many of them just became like iconic classics. Yeah. Sure. Anything else? Mm -mm. No, this uh, this album's great, and I think more people should listen to it. All right. Next time we'll be talking about Sunday at the Village Vanguard by Bill Evans. Good deal. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Mm -hmm.